the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. In today's episode, we're sharing a presentation from MaxLawCon 2021. Keep listening to hear Pete Salsik as we share his talk, What All You Fools Need to Know About the Content You're Creating. You can also head to the Maximum Lawyer YouTube channel to watch the full video. Have you grabbed your ticket to this year's conference? If not, head to MaxLawCon2022.com to get yours today. Now, to the episode. Run your law firm the right way. This is... The Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. There must be some kind of way out of here. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good. Happy Walk and Talk Tuesday. If any of you know, today's I'm normally I'm walking around my neighborhood holding this thing out here, talking to myself and sharing it with the rest of the world. So you get a little bit, but I can't do this and do this. So I'm going to stop this now. It is great to be here. How about that walk-up music? Kind of fun, you know? That was what I wanted to be my walk-up music when I was a little kid and I was going to play third base for the Cardinals. And I was ready, I, you know, they always, they just imagined in my head. Well, you may be asking yourself, I haven't heard any other speakers have walk-up music, and I'll tell you why. Because this spring... Tyson called one day and he said, hey, could we have walk-up? Could our speakers like have walk-up music? That would be cool. And I had to say, well, no, actually, unless you get a synchronization license for every single song that gets used. Well, what's that? When you are using recorded content, other recorded music, and syncing it in time with a video, and what are we doing today? We're making a video. So playing other recorded music in time With video, if you pause it and you rewind it, the music goes back to the same place. That triggers a particular type of music license and copyright that requires you to get the permission of both the songwriter, for that song it would have been Bob Dylan's publishing company, and also the rights from the master recording for Jimmy's version. And I said, that's way too hard. You don't know if they can get the... He said, okay, fine, no no walk-up music. But then I thought to myself but I can use it because I'm going to explain fair use. So one of the things about fair use is you may have heard a lot. So let me step back a little bit and just remind you, what we're talking about here for the next couple of minutes is what you can do with other people's work in the content you're creating. There are so many good presenters here, so many good content creators and producers already. I've already learned stuff this morning, and I know you all are too. So I'm not here to tell you what to post or where to post it. 
But when you are making content and you are putting something on a screen, if you are using someone else's content, there are rules of how you can do it. Fair use gives you permission to infringe on someone else's copyright under certain circumstances. In this case, I'm using only as much of that recording as is necessary to make my point. I'm using it for educational purposes to explain fair use. I'm, that's a transformative use. And frankly, none of you are going to change your mind and not buy a Jimi Hendrix recording because you just saw that 22 seconds. Now that's a super short example of fair use, but I bring it up to just remind you, fair use doesn't mean it's fair. It means there's certain legal things that have to be considered and it is a defense to copyright infringement. So it's probably not your plan to do fair use. Better to do it right and we're gonna talk about that. And that is just one of the things that you all need to know about that content you're creating. And it really does apply to all of the content you're using. If you are the sole writer, speaker, performer, and you're doing all your own original stuff, fantastic. Take notes, move on, go get a drink outside. But that's not how we do it, is it? You know, when I finally realized I wasn't gonna be third base for the Cardinals, I still wanted to be Neil Young. And I still wanna be Neil Young right now. And one of the reasons is this. There's a very famous quote, Neil said, learning from other people is what music is all about. It's a collaboration. Even the person that is standing by themselves writing their own song, playing their own instrument, is drawing from many, many influences. So what are we doing here today? I, if you're like me, you're absorbing all kinds of information. When we're putting content out in the world, I'm not coming up with every single thing I need to say every single time because there's so much other good content I may want to share, I may want to repurpose, I may want to comment on, I may want to build on. We do that all the time. We do it when we collaborate in our practices. We do it when we collaborate in, in getting messaging out. If we're good, I think we do. We keep learning from others. But what matters is if you're depending on how you're using it, and I'm gonna focus on that too, the takeaway is what you're doing with the content. You can do a whole lot on your own first personal Facebook page or Instagram, but if you're doing it to promote your business, which is what we're really talking about here, then it's probably not fair use and you're going to need licenses and you're going to need to know what you can and can't do. So what if you're like me? You know, I did want to be Neil Young. I still want to be Neil Young. I still play in old dad band, classic rock cover bands. And most of the time I'm playing somebody else's music. When I'm playing somebody else's music in a venue, in a bar or a concert venue or whatever, there is a license obtained to do that, but I didn't have to get it myself because the venue most likely got a blanket license for public performances. But if I make a video, so last year during COVID, we weren't able to play. And myself, like a lot of people, started putting videos up on social media, just of us, I would be standing in my little home office, playing guitar and singing and posting a video and sticking it out there just because I sort of had to. Well, did I need a synchronization license for that? Maybe, except that I wasn't playing previously recorded music synced in time with the video. I was taking a video of a live performance. It's treated a little bit differently in terms of, uh, certainly on the social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, all those social media platforms have now essentially very much muddied, but tried to clear up their music policies and their terms of use. 
And typically, if you're just recording someone playing music and you're not going on and selling tickets for a 30-minute concert, you're going to be able to do that. But if I take that same video and I want to put it into an advertising campaign outside of my own personal use, I can't do that because my use of that material, someone else's music, is different. And that's what we have to focus on there. There's another thing, too. You know, I'm no Jim Hacking. I'm no Joey Vitale. But I do like to tell a story once in a while. So I'm going to tell you a story that's going to illustrate this next point. Back in 2003, tattoo artist in Las Vegas, Nevada named Victor Whitmill had a very famous person walk into his tattoo parlor, this gentleman, Mr. Mike Tyson, and Victor put that tattoo on Mike's face. Very famous, maybe one of the most famous tattoos in the world. And Mike went back out into the world, appeared in films and all sorts of things that he did with that on his face. It became part of his identity. We talk about name, image, and likeness now, the use of identity for commercial purposes. That tattoo is part of Mike Tyson's identity. So fast forward to 2011, the movie Hangover Part 2 decides it would be really funny to have Ed Helms wake up in the morning with that same exact tattoo on his face. So the joke, of course, was that it was Mike Tyson's tattoo and Mike was going to find out. And that's the whole bit of the movie. But something happened that spring before the movie was released. Victor Whitmill, the tattoo artist, remember him? He had moved to Southern Missouri. And one of his friends went into a 7-Eleven and there was a giant big gulp with Ed Helms' face with that tattoo advertising the movie. Well, Victor, you know how it is, how you get work, you referral, somebody knows somebody. Well, that case ended up in our office, little tiny three-person law firm in a loft in downtown St. Louis. And we said, that's copyright infringement. There's a copyright in that tattoo. Victor said, well, nobody asked me. Well, Warner Brothers, you've heard of them. At the time, they had over 6,000 registered copyrights that they were the owners of. They know copyright law. They are a copyright intellectual property company. They sue people all the time for infringing their copyrights. I don't know who the person is or persons. I'm sure somebody lost their job, but they didn't think about the copyright in the tattoo. They thought about Mike Tyson. They have a release for Mike Tyson to use Mike Tyson's identity to place his identity on Ed Elm's face. But they didn't think about the underlying copyright in the tattoo. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with everything there is to do within your legal practice? How do you keep up with your legal work while making time for growing your practice and attracting clients? Do important things like deadlines and even your family fall through the cracks? This is why you should join us at the number one conference for legal entrepreneurs, Max LawCon. We're going to be focused on helping practices scale and bringing calm to the order. This conference is curated in order to accelerate your implementation. Based on where you are in your legal practice, we're going to help you identify exactly what is most important right now. When you leave Max LawCon, you go home with complete clarity, focus, and a plan to make 2022 your best year ever. And not only your best year in terms of revenue, but your best year in terms of time. Time back with your family. More time to do the work that is in your zone of genius. Only taking the clients that you like and more money in your pocket. It's all at the Maximum Lawyer Conference. 
Max LawCon is a two-day event on Thursday, June 2nd and Friday, June 3rd in St. Charles, Missouri. Seats are filling fast. Grab yours today at www.maxlawcon2022.com. We brought suit. We filed suit. We got all kinds of coverage. Warner Brothers could hire very, very big law firms. They did. They filed all kinds of briefs. We raced ahead to a uh, preliminary injunction hearing. One little side note, we actually got to see the movie before it was released. We had to watch it in the showing room at, uh, at Brian Cave, big law firm here in town, which was acting kind of as the host for the local out-of-town lawyers. Very strange to sit there and try not to laugh at a movie because you represent the client and is supposed to be mad about the movie. Kind of a strange story. Plus, there's a big watermark on it. And the person who brought the DVD had it in literally one of those James Bond silver handcuffed suitcases. I'm not kidding. So anyway, we go forward. We go through the preliminary injunction hearing, which is held the day before Memorial Day when the movie's supposed to open. And after two days of testimony, the judge comes out, federal judge, fantastic judge. She got everything right here, even the part I didn't like so much. But she first, her first opening words, and this is the best thing you can hear as a lawyer when the judge is now delivering from the bench. And there's press like crazy, packed courtroom. She says, defendants' arguments are just silly. Of course tattoos are copyrightable. Okay, check. We're likely to succeed on the merits. And she went through the other factors. And then the last factor was the public interest. And you know, if you have ever done any injunctive relief work, the last factor to be considered is is an injunction in the public interest? Well, in this case, there were 4,000 movie theaters owners around the country who are counting on this movie to open the next day and be their temple, basically pay for their summer. And they were innocent. Now, everybody in that courtroom knew that if the judge granted that injunction, the movie was still going to open the next day. We just would have settled that night instead of two months later, and there would have been a couple more digits probably in the settlement. But you can't say that. But your honor... It's just, you don't get to make that argument. And she was right. But we did end up achieving a life-changing settlement for Victor later that year. The last little piece of the story is when we went after the hearing, we went back to our office, little tiny loft office. We didn't have offices. We had wooden tables spread out. We had a ping pong table. And all these other lawyers from Chicago in their, you know, five or six of them in their dark suits come carrying in and looking around like, what just happened? Why are we here? We're trying to negotiate at this point. And what came out was they had completely overlooked the fact that there are two sets of rights that they needed. They got one. They got the person, but they didn't get the copyright. My lesson to you is when you are using other people's images, when you are using other works, you've got to look. There may be layers of rights depending on the use that you want to make of it. You guys may remember this from Max Law 2019. Here's another example of the same thing flipped around. So Bernie obviously took the internet by storm early this year after his uh, sartorial splendor at the inauguration. And this thing just blew up, right? I mean, suddenly Bernie was everywhere. And there's some interesting things. You know, once it became a meme it kind of crossed over into fair use because you could talk about the meme and show it and you could share the meme and that took off all over social media. But it also started showing up in advertising. And the issue is there's two sets of rights in this image. First, 
is the copyright in the photograph itself. That picture was taken by a photojournalist. You can go on Getty Images right now and pay for a license to use that image and download it and whatever resolution you want and size. His business is selling copies of his pictures. That's what he does. So that's one of the rights that you would need to get. You would need to get the copyright owner's permission to use it. And if you go on to Getty Images and you pay for that, you have to pay more if you want to use it in an advertising way. Or you may not even be permitted to do so. But you have to ask because that's a different use than just sharing it in some sort of social media. But there's another right inside of here. It's the flip of the one with Mike Tyson. It's Bernie. Bernie's a public figure. He's a human being. He has the right to decide whether his image, his identity, his name, image, and likeness can be used to endorse a product or a business or a service or a mission or a campaign or anything. And so if you want to use Bernie, if you want to use him like this and have some fun, well, I'm sort of in a fair use zone right now getting to talk about all this. But it's fairly innocent when you're using it as a meme for your own personal use. But if you take Bernie and you drop him into that, you know, he's sitting right in front of your tire store and it's going to have a big sale on Saturday and you put on a billboard, Bernie's first ready for our tires. Now you are using Bernie in a commercial sense. You need the copyright permission and you need the human being permission. One of the things that we often forget, we, we a lot of us are fairly tuned to, yeah, copyright, I get, somebody else has that. But sometimes we forget to look inside the video or the image and to the people. And if there are people there or there are logos or there are other things inside those images, you need to be aware of them if your use is commercial or promotional in any way. You guys got that real quick? Read this real quick. Anybody ever read Terms of Service? Seriously? Like comb through them? I actually do sometimes. It's a weird part of my practice. But the point is, these things govern what you do on the internet. They are the rules that you have accepted on whatever platform you're on. Instagram, Facebook, doesn't matter. These happen to be Instagrams. And, you know, I made this slide probably a month ago, so they might even have changed. But the point is, if you dig down, what you find is that you can do a fair amount on your own social channels, personally. You can share, you know, so much of the content. The great Mitch Jackson, who I met two years ago at this conference and really turned me on to this whole thing, is the master at sharing things on social media. But he's following the terms of service of the platforms and he's sharing it in the proper way. He's not copying and pasting and lifting out and trying to claim it as his own. That's the difference. He's following the terms of service that allow us to do that. And you can comb those terms of service all you want and you will not find any permission to use other people's images on social media and take them and put them on your advertising. You can go on TikTok and you can use all the music on TikTok because of the way that platform is structured. It allows you, the music is licensed. You can use it. You can make your videos. You can do all of that stuff with their music. What you can't do is then take that video and put it on your other platforms and use it as advertising because now you have violated the terms of service. You've lifted it out where that license that you got for the music doesn't apply beyond the platform itself. So remember terms of service. Remember that there are multiple rights often in other people's content. And remember that if you're using that content in any way to promote your business, this stuff applies to you. One last little tidbit. 
we've all spent a ton of time. We all become Zoom pros. Although I did hear a story at lunch today. I don't know if the guys are in here about uh, somebody there. I see Brooks back there. So <laughs> there's a big 500 lawyer webinar going on. And in the middle of it, somebody comes into Brooks's office and interrupts him because something else is going on crazy in the case. He takes his AirPods out, sets them down on his desk, turns to talk and starts saying, what the, what? You can imagine, right? Well, he left his microphone right there on. He couldn't hear everybody saying, hey, somebody needs to mute. And he was turned this way so he couldn't see the chat box blowing up. All things pretty innocent, turned out to be a very funny story, no harm done. But what if you're a franchisor and you are trying to get people to become franchisees? This happened, this company smashed my trash, has a particular type of model in a private sector refuse business hosted a Zoom, invited all these potential franchisees to come and learn all about it. Well, somebody did, downloaded all the stuff, got all the information, didn't sign up to be a franchisee, went on to start their own business. Absolutely took their stuff. 100% bad guy. Smash your trash, sues them. In court for theft of trade secrets. Judge says, you don't have any trade secrets anymore because you didn't have a unique password for your Zoom meeting. You didn't have a waiting room to see who was in there. The link was shareable by anybody. They had literally let their intellectual property leak right out into the internet via Zoom. And they lost it. And they lost it for everybody, not just against this guy. So remember those tips. It has been a pleasure here to talk to you all. This is such a great program. I'm really, really happy to be here. And I'm gonna head out to the tunes of Jimmy. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.